morning from Texas. I'm your host, Kaneda. This is Kaneda's Pinball Podcast coming at you from Texas Pinball Festival. We're going to do a day one recap of all the stuff at the show, um, my impressions of what I saw at the show, and some really, really interesting rumors about what's to happen in the pinball world. I'm going to start with the rumors, but before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about why these shows are so awesome. They should not call it the Texas Pinball Festival. They should call it the Texas People Festival because these shows, they're all about the people. You go to the show to hang out with your pinball friends that you haven't seen in a long time, people that you only converse with on the internet uh, and in other areas of pinball. And it's so great for everyone to come together and have a shared interest that is pinball. And I love it. I love it. I thank you to everyone who came up to me and said, I love the show, Canada. Uh, I super appreciate all the fans who reach out. If you're at the show, please hit me up at canadapinball at gmail.com and I will do my best uh, to find time so we can just hang out and talk pinball. All right. Because I love it. I love, love, love talking to the fans about pinball. So here's what I want to do. You probably heard about the disastrous Jersey Jack Pinball Yellow Brick Road edition. We're going to talk a little bit about that on this edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast. But here are the rumors. Here are the rumors that I'm hearing that I want to just throw out right now uh, for you early in the morning in Texas. So here's the thing. The biggest rumor is that we are not going to have to wait until Midwest Gaming Classic to see the reveal of Steve Ritchie's next game, Black Knight. Now, Steve Ritchie was here last night doing a seminar in which he revealed absolutely nothing. And I think I think this, this, the, shows, the show organizers need to start having a little bit of a policy. We are not going to give you the mic and we are not going to let you rent out the room if you are going to do absolutely nothing of interest, of no, of no news value whatsoever. I'm so tired of these titans of pinball, of these manufacturers getting up there and just spitting the same stuff over and over, and they're not revealing anything new. So here's what's kind of strange. So the rumor is this, that Stern is going to reveal Steve Ritchie's next game, Black Knight 3000. Guess when they're going to do it? They're going to do it this Tuesday, okay? Yes, that's not today, not Sunday, not Monday, but Tuesday. So like three days from now, they're going to reveal to the world Black Knight 3000. And if you think about it, it sort of makes sense. This is what Stern likes to do. They don't like to reveal games at the show anymore. They like to reveal them via the internet and through media. And then they like to give themselves like a month or so to get the game ready for a show. And so if this this now all of a sudden seems like their strategy... Why reveal it at TPF in which people are going to want to have the game here to play if the game's not ready? Reveal it on Tuesday, and then you have about a month to get the game ready. It will physically be at Midwest Gaming Classic, all right? So MGC, um, it seems to be like the show now that's getting more of the big reveals. Maybe JJ's got a lot more clout in the industry uh, with his with his cowboy hat. but he, So at MGC... Not only will Black Knight 3000 uh, be there to play, the other game that I'm hearing, again, rumor, but very strong rumor, the other game that I'm hearing is going to be there is going to be Willy Wonka, that Jersey Jack Pinball is really aiming and working hard to bring Willy Wonka to that show, which is so strange when you think about the timing of all of this. Who is actually buying the Yellow Brick Road edition of Wizard of Oz, all right? But let's let's stop there on those two rumors. So MGC, we're going to see Steve Ritchie's new game and Jersey Jack's new game supposedly battling it out 
for your pinball dollars. Super exciting. I love the fact that we don't have to wait very long. What's crazy too is when you think about it, is Stern is about to reveal a new game on Tuesday and they didn't even start shipping Munster's Premium yet. The ability for this company to always be on to the next blows me away. It's, 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 it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Stern games get old so fast because they're already on to the next and on to the next and on to the next. And I think it's, it's really marvelous to watch them just not stop. They, they just keep going while every other company is either stalled or failing or trying to like figure it out. Stern is just on to the next, on to the next. Now, talking about being on to the next, let's talk a little bit about now that I've slept on it at the, the Yellow Brick Road edition. And I, I think it, it, the whole thing just was a bit, it was bound to fail. How do you go up there and talk for an hour uh, when you have nothing to say other than the game is yellow? Like, just think about that for a minute. The game is yellow, and it has sparkles. That, that's pretty much the only new news they had. And they had to fill an hour's worth of time, and they had to break the bad news that they were going to charge you more money for the game. Now, here is a hunch of mine, and, and a listener of the show also has this hunch. Here is a hunch that I have. I think that Jersey Jack Pinball is testing the waters at $11,500 because I think they're going to charge $11,500 for the Willy Wonka LE. Now stop, don't get mad, don't scream, but think about it for a minute. How can Jack stay in business and price his LE machines that have a ton in it, how can he stay in business if he's at the same price point as a Stern LE, right? I just played Pirates a few minutes ago. That game has got so much in it. It's embarrassing that Munster's LE is $9,000 and Jack is charging just $500 more for that game. So I think Jack's about to take his entire business up market and he needs to. And I don't know like what the realities are of people's budgets and finances, but if you have $9,500 to spend on an unnecessary toy like a pinball machine, you probably have $11,000, $11,500. And so I think we're going to see that soon. I think Jersey Jack needs to go up market. Now, none of that, none of that excuses the complete disaster that was the Yellow Brick Road edition. And here's the thing. I stood over the game this morning again. I wanted to just get a closer look at all of this sparkle that is supposedly worth this much more money. I don't like the game at all. I, I, here's why. I think the yellow is kind of ugly. It's tacky. Putting all that yellow on all the wire forms, it just doesn't work. There's something beautiful about the Emerald City Edition and the Ruby Red Edition. And then when you see this bright, gaudy yellow, just in terms of like a color, like yellow is a very aggressive and hard to take your eye away from color. And I just don't like it. And the yellows don't even really match up with the yellow brick road. It's kind of too much and it's on all the flippers it's it's everywhere there's yellow sparkle everywhere it's not for me it's not my cup of tea i also think you just have to be out of your mind to buy this game when you can go get an emerald city edition wizard of oz for like seven thousand dollars all right so i don't think there are going to be more than 200 people who go in on this game uh, i feel bad for jack and crew a little bit because i think they they literally didn't have anything to say they shouldn't have done it this way and what Jack needed to do is he needed to look in a dictionary 
at the word limited. And he needs to really understand how important it is to, if you're going to say something's limited, he needs to start limiting the games. And it's even kind of funny because on the game itself, it just says limited edition. It doesn't even say like one of 200 or one of 500. So now he's just ha- he has this completely arbitrary and ambiguous way of of of, of like identifying his games. And and I think it's I think it's I think it's kind of pathetic. And I think they need to really stop acting this way. They've been in the industry now way too long to be acting in such a sophomoric approach. All right, I got to give a shout out to my friend Derek. In the middle of the calamity that was yesterday's presentation, you know, Derek who came on the show who loves Pirates of the Caribbean, in the middle of Jack trying to explain to us how the monkey's still in the game because he's on the LCD, you know, everyone was asking questions about the the Yellow Brick Road edition and poor Derek stands up there and is like, hey, what's 1.0 code on Pirates coming? And I, I, I feel for the guy because... Pirates is an amazing machine compared to Wizard of Oz being news, right? Does that even make sense? I would just rather see them talk about pirates and what they're doing to polish the code than I would, you know, than I would want to hear them talk about how they made Wizard of Oz seven years ago. All right. So here's my my assessment of the show so far. Unlike past TPFs, there just aren't a lot of reveals. I mean, you you can't. You can't escape the absence of Deep Root at this show. I think we all were expecting something more at this year's TPF from a reveal standpoint. But like I said, it's not even about the games. The the guys who hang out, everyone's here to just drink, socialize, have a good time. No one's really even here to play much pinball. Uh, And also when you're at the show, this is a thing. You can't really get a sense of what a game is like when you play it at a show. I'll use this as a metaphor. It's, It's like walking into a room in which... Uh, 150 movie trailers are all playing at the same time and and they've all got volume on there's video going of each one and you're walking around a room like that and then you leave the room and someone says so Chris which one was your favorite movie which one are you most excited to see and you just you can't you can't it's sensory overload the only time you can sort of get a sense of these games if you play it late at night or if you do what I just did which is you wear your vendor your vendor wristband, the blue wristband, and you go into the game room at 7.30 in the morning and no one is in there but a police officer making sure only vendors get in. And I went in early and I turned on some games to play them a bunch because I wanted to give you my feedback on some games uh, without any of the distractions or the noise or the crowd from the show. And here, I, I, I took away a few things from some of the new games and I want to talk about that now. Now, the game that surprised me the most, and this is just because a year's gone by, and I think they did a really good job improving the code of the game, uh, and that game is Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Now, I just played it for maybe five or six games without any interruption, and I have to say this. I'm really, really impressed at where the code is in this game. The shots are still tight. They don't bother me as much as they used to. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the shots, but what I love about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is when you turn it on and you hit start, what I love about it is this. It immediately puts me into this like eerie sort of nightmare castle kind of vibe. There's almost like no sound in the game at all except for the crackling of fire. And it's got, I I love that. I love that. In, in, in a world in which so many pinball machines are just hitting you with lights and sounds and, every, and you're just confused immediately, it has this, it sets the stage perfectly for the theme. And, and even throughout the game as I was playing it a few times, I was just so impressed with how the sound and the music 
And even the Alice Cooper callouts, which a year ago, you know, I think a lot of people were criticizing it for being really mundane and boring. I now see how it kind of connects perfectly with the way the game is set up and the atmospheric sort of approach to the game. And I, I, I really wish more people thought about pinball this way. I really do. I, I, I think sometimes you turn on a pinball game and it's just like you're just, you're, just, you're just dropped into this universe and there's absolutely no like slowly introducing you to the world and putting you into the atmosphere of the theme. And I think Alice Cooper is, does it really well. And the music goes together so well. Um, I have to say too, the, the shots are tight. There is no way around it. If you are frustrated by tight shots, this game is not going to be your favorite, okay? So it is not the easiest game to shoot. What I do wish they would have had a little bit is an easier shot up the middle. And what I mean by that is it's the, the middle's got a lot of sh- shots, and, and while there's like the three target area that's easier to hit, the other stuff is not as easy to hit. And the right orbit... I mean, the right orbit is like way, way, way to the right. And it's a super, super tight shot. And it's makeable. I mean, you really have to hit it way off of the tip of your left flipper. Uh, but it's, I think people really enjoy a smooth orbit shot. And if I was designing a pinball game, I would make sure that the orbits were not super, super frustrating or difficult to hit. But again, I think these companies have a hard time because they have a lot of experienced players helping them with design. And I think they, they get nervous. Like, we don't want to make our game too easy, but sometimes you can make it too frustrating if the shots are too tight. Um, but here's the best part about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. The animations in this game are just killer. Like, they're killer. I, I think they're the best animations on an LCD screen I, I've seen. And, 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 I, and I'm, being, I'm not just saying this so that no one, you know, when I walk by the spooky booth, takes a swing at me. Those animations are awesome. They are awesome. I have not seen animations from Stern that look that good. I think they're also the right amount of animations so you can pick up what's going on in the game. And when I look at like a Jersey Jack screen, while it's prettier with its HD, you know, 1080K or 1080P, uh, there's too much. I'm always confused. But Alice Cooper's screen, it's just, it all just comes together really nicely. So my takeaway from Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is this. If you're in on a game, and you're in on one, what is it, like $6,500? I think you can up it with a little butter cabinets. I think you're going to be happy with it. I mean, my big gripe has always been the $1,000 lock-in, the year wait. I think I'm here to tell you, after waiting a long time for this game, I do think you're going to be really satisfied with your Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle. Uh, I think it's a really, really, I think they, they got the theme right and they integrated it right. And it shows you. That if you get the code right and you really nail it all coming together because the light show is really cool on it, the music sounds great, the speaker system is phenomenal in it. I also like, I love the ball save. The magnetic ball save in Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is just so much cooler to me than really anything even happening like in Munsters or anything happening in a lot of these new games. the, The simple thing like that. Like all the lights go red and and the ball gets grabbed and then it throws it all the way up the middle. That's what I want to see more of in pinball. And I'm really happy that the game has like a feature like that, that if even if you aren't good, think about it, even if you aren't good at pinball, you will play Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and that will most likely happen for you during your game and it'll make you smile. And I think pinball needs more of that, right? Where you're not just utterly confused about what to do. All right. 
Moving on, the other game that really needed to make a big splash at this show was Oktoberfest. And believe me, American Pinball is here in full force. They have about five or six Oktoberfests on the floor. Coin Takers got one. I think there's another one in another booth. This game is in a lot of places. Uh, yeah, flip, flipping out pinball. Zach's, uh, Zach has one in his booth. So Oktoberfest, like this is it. Like this is the moment in which they are going to get a lot of word of mouth and a lot of people on the game and they need to get games on the line. Now, I played a lot of Oktoberfest. I played it with Blake. I played it with other people. I played it when I first got here. I played it this morning again without anyone distracting me. And I have to say this, after playing it for a while, I think Oktoberfest to me, it's, it's a good game. It's a good game. It's a unique layout. I like that about it. It's not your typical fan layout. They're trying to do new stuff. Uh, there's a lot of different things to shoot for in the game. I'm not going to list all of them. Um, the game is unique, right? And and I think that is the biggest thing Oktoberfest has going for it. If you want a non-fan layout game that is trying to give you a different pinball experience, you, know, you have Oktoberfest as an option. Uh, the thing is this, and after playing it for a while... I just couldn't help but come away with a little bit of a feeling is the game is good, but it's it's not great. And then it's $7,500. And when I play it, you know, I'm just, again, this is the problem with theme. I'm just not pulled into the the game emotionally. I, it doesn't really grab me. And, and maybe it's just because I just don't care about Oktoberfest as a thing. I've never been to an Oktoberfest festival. I don't find the humor to be that funny because I'm not, it's not my thing. It's, you know, it's just not my shtick. And for some of you out there, you might love the festival and you might love the game because of that. But I just feel like just being a fun flipping game just isn't enough anymore. You have to make the game somewhat special and unique and feel like I need to own this game. Because remember, I would happily play an Oktoberfest on location with my friends and enjoy it and play with one hand and a beer. That's the other thing. I didn't even realize, like, where is the one-handed play-with-a-beer-in-your-hand mode? If you have something like that in a game like Oktoberfest and you have a, a festival like Texas Pinball Festival where everyone is drinking and enjoying and playing games, why would you not have it so that one-handed mode is, is being experienced by everyone who steps up to the game? The confusion about how to launch that, I, I, that's, you know what I'm saying? That's what these companies need to start doing. They need to start saying to themselves, if we have a wow thing that really differentiates our game, we can't make it really difficult or challenging for people to understand how to start that mode. Especially, we're going to have all these drunk guys with beers in hand at Texas why don't we have like a Texas Pinball Festival mode in which the game is just on that to give people a feel of how cool it is, all right? Okay, there's no getting over the artwork on the game. It still just feels like a mishmash of stuff that I can't warm up to. It's not bad. It's colorful. There's just a lot there, but none of it feels cohesive. And it just, again, it just feels like they just dropped a ton of stuff on the game. Uh, the cabinet now doesn't even have any character on it. It just has the logo. So I... I I don't know. I, I just it just doesn't feel as like exciting and as polished. I mean, look at the cabinet artwork on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, and look at the cabinet artwork on Oktoberfest. Look at the playfield artwork on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. That beautiful hand drawn artwork. Look at the artwork on Oktoberfest, and then think about this for a minute. Oktoberfest is more expensive than Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle gives you better animations, better artwork, 
has more, you know, easy, easily, you know, like magical things to experience immediately. You know, I think what they need to do with Oktoberfest, I think they need to have like the ramp down a little bit more. The left ramp, you probably should start with it down. I don't know. There's just, there's just something about it that makes it hard to immediately get into. And then, you know, I heard guys around me saying when they saw the, like the juggling woman on the animations, they're like, it just, again, looks cheap, like Houdini animations. And, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I really don't know what to say. If I gave you $7,500 tomorrow and said, go buy a pinball machine, I just don't know how you stop and say, this is the one I'm going to get. And this leads me to my final point about the realities of the pinball market right now. I think companies like American Pinball, you know, they're making a game to be better than their previous game. So they're making Oktoberfest to raise the bar over Houdini. The problem is this. When you are charging $7,500 for a pinball machine, you need to be at the bar or raise the bar uh, against every other game that I could get for $7,500. And that's the challenge because once you look at it like that, then this game needs to be better than every Stern Pro. I can also, sorry, Stern Premium. I can also go out and get a dialed in, in a, a Hobbit, and a Wizard of Oz, I can get all of those limited edition games uh, in beautiful trim with all the deep code and all the amazing stuff in it. I can go get all those games now with low plays for $7,500. And so is Oktoberfest better than those games? And that's the problem. It's not just American Pinball's problem. This is everyone's problem moving forward. There are so many games out there. There are so many games in beautiful condition out there that if you are bringing your pinball game to market, you, you really have to think like, am I giving people uh, enough that they're not gonna spend their money elsewhere, not just on new in box games, but on games that are available on the used market. Uh, and so I, I just think this game is gonna struggle to sell. And, and, and I think they didn't do market research to land on the title. And it's not just me. And I'm sorry, Iceman, I know you ordered one. <laughs> But it, this, this is just like, we're, we're, we've got too many other beautiful options. Now, speaking of beautiful options, well, before I do that, here's another big rumor for you guys. So I'm hearing, this is a rumor, this is a rumor. I, I gotta keep saying that, I gotta reiterate that. Don't tattoo my ass on this one. Um, this is a rumor that American Pinball is going to be the company that makes Kingpin. And Kingpin was at the show, and Kingpin shoots great. I love Kingpin. If they remake it, they're going to have buyers. So I hear that American Pinball is going to be the company that produces Kingpin, but we'll see on that one. But you heard it here on Canada's Pinball Podcast. All right, what else is going on? Speaking of gorgeous, I just have to say that, you know, Marco is at the booth with so many Munsters premiums. And for you guys in on a Munsters premium, I'm here to tell you, you are buying one of the sexiest pinball machines I've ever seen. The black and white Munsters is my favorite. I love it. I love it more than the LE. I think it's awesome. It is awesome. It is hard not to look at that game and smile and be like they nailed it. And everyone's memory of the Munsters is in black and white. So it makes perfect sense. It is so cool. It is so cool. I won't go into the whole like it's still the Munsters game. Uh, it shoots, you know, it shoots well. Uh, if you're a fan of the Munsters, you'll enjoy the game. Uh, I have to be honest, Stern just keeps doing Stern's thing. A Stern is a Stern is a Stern. They, it, I'm never that excited about the next Stern because it's always the same thing. Uh, it, it just never feels like they're coming at this with radical innovation. I do have a Stern rumor to report. And I'm hearing, I'm going to close the show on this one. Well, you know what, I have one more company to discuss, then I'll talk about 
this stern rumor that I know that I'll leave you guys off with. All right, so Suncoast Pinball. They've got a game at the show that is Cosmic Carnival. It looks beautiful. Dirty Donnie did the artwork. Uh, it looks, it almost looks like Aerosmith gave birth to a sexier son. You know, it looks, it looks a lot like the same color palette of Aerosmith. Game looks awesome. Game looks awesome from an artistic standpoint. The actual game itself is very simple. There's two ramps. There's a left and a right, like sort of like squiggly that go clear ramps that that are in the game look a little J-pop esque. Um, there's a there's a scoop in the middle of the game. There's pop bumpers. There's orbits. But that's about it. There's not much in the game. There's not there's not not nothing really moves in the game. Nothing really mechanical. And I I haven't really even had a chance to play it yet. But I have to just say, standing over the game, I'm just curious. Like, how much is this game going to cost? And if this game costs as much as a Stern Pro, how is it going to be successful? We're beyond the point. I hope I think we're beyond the point where you just can't throw artwork on something that doesn't do anything interesting from a mechanical standpoint, especially the same artist. It's just it's just starting to feel like pinball is at a crossroads right now. And you either move forward and innovate and you bring something different to the table or you go down the other road into parody. And we've seen that before, and it's nothing new, and we don't need this, and we have just another company trying to do it. I'm, I'm, I haven't even like brought up all the other companies. Blake, what's the name of that company with the Celt, the Celts game, the Scottish game? Haggis freaking pinball people. Like who, who is Haggis pinball? And the artwork they have is not even like up to par. And I have to go see that game today. And I'm just the thing is this: these new boutiques, I just don't understand why they think they're gonna make it. If they're not, again, raising the bar over what Stern is giving you with a pro, okay? They need to think about this big time. Um, and, and I don't think they are. I think there's a little bit of if we build it, they will come mentality. And I think it's more like if we build it and it's not great, we will go out of business. And I think that is the reality of pinball. All right, what else is going on? I got the Stern rumor. Anything else I, I missed in terms of stuff I've been hearing? All right, here's the Stern rumor that I am being told is is pretty much confirmed. And this this comes from someone, you know, who who wouldn't make this up. And I, I do I have any credibility left? By the way, someone said to me, "You've lost all credibility," and I was like, "Well, that's cool because that means I once had credibility." So thank you for that compliment. But here's here's what I'm going to tell you right now on Canada's Pinball Podcast on Saturday morning. I'm here to finally get it right. Finally, 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 I know the game that Brian Eddy is working on. And I've, I, I know you're probably like, Chris, you're the podcast that cried wolf. You've been, you've been telling us he's working on Jaws, then Elvira. You don't know what he's working on. I'm here to tell you I know what he's working on. Are you ready? He is, and this makes sense now. I find it's like, it's like you put Chris in, you know, you give him a table full of things to connect the dots. And this is it. Brian Eddy is working on Jurassic World. That is Brian Eddy's next game. That is the strong rumor. That is what he is working on. It is coming out this summer. It is going to go Steve Ritchie, Black Knight 3000. Then it's going to go Brian Eddy and Jurassic World, and then it's going to go most likely Elvira 3 in the fall. So that seems to be what Stern has in store, all right? So Brian Eddy, take it to Pinside, Jurassic World. Any other rumors? I heard a weird rumor, 
and this is strange. I someone someone came up to me and said, "Hey, do you realize that like Steve Ritchie was working on Jurassic World and they had problems with the license, and that Star Wars was originally supposed to be Jurassic World, and the Hyperloop was a mechanism in which the Velociraptors chased you around Jurassic Park?" I don't, you know, I people tell me shit like that, and I'm like, "Yeah, cool," you know. The problem is, is nobody at Stern ever tells me the truth. I went up to John Borg and asked him, hey, Borg, I heard that you were designing um, Iron Maiden originally and that they switched over and made it into Guardians and that, you know, Eddie turned into Groot. And he was like, no, I had the option to, pl- to do Iron Maiden. I decided not to and then did took Guardians. You think he's going to tell me? Chris, you're right. Chris, you're right. They just reskinned my game. Um, and, and I had to just do that because that's what they wanted me to do. You know, they're never going to be honest about that. Now, will the, will there be a Stern Vault edition? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't even, I I don't probably they, they do it, but there's no news of that. So that's what it's been like after day one of TPF. I think I gave you guys some good feedback on the games. There's a big Lebowski here. It broke down. (laughs) Nothing new. Hoping to play it today. Kind of crazy that it's out on the floor. There are just so many amazing games. I really do want to take more time today to play more pinball. It's hard because it is more fun just talking to the people than it is playing the pinball uh, machines. I said to someone, I'm going to set up a pinball festival where there actually aren't any games. It's just pinball people come together and and just chat and, and have steak and have beer and have whiskey. It sounds a lot more fun than trying to figure out uh, what the hell is going on in Pirates of the Caribbean, all right? Everyone, have a great day. Tonight is the Twippies, so make sure you tune in to see if we win um, favorite pinball podcast, but also to see who wins the other categories. It's going to be fun. Here's what I'm curious to see is how this show actually happens. It's live streamed from Texas Pinball Festival. Uh, I, I, I know these guys have been working really hard to figure out the logistics of a live stream show. It is not easy. The other part I'm looking forward to is people are doing speeches. And the number one fear people have is the fear of public speaking. So I can't wait just to, I can't wait to see like all the people talk and accept their awards and see who wins what. It's going to be it's gonna be fun. So make sure you tune in. The Twippies tonight are at eight o'clock Texas time, which is nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. They're going to be live streamed. So look out for that. And um, yeah, root for your favorite pinball podcaster. Um, and if he doesn't win, then maybe you can root for me. All right, everyone, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Shot in the dark.